I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on the knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You are in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. But Spider Gate sounds way cooler than Manta Rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went around recruiting one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, I had a couple episodes without my uh, co-creator, co-founder, the second Brad and the two Brad for you, the original Brad. Brit Brad. But you've, you've let me out today. Thank you. Thank you for letting me out of my crate so I can allow to talk to the <laughs> listeners for once. Yeah, well, don't blow this for me, all right? Or you're going back in the crate. <laughs> for ages, I thought I had like a drink problem because, you know, occasionally I come round and I see, oh, there's a new Two Brad for You podcast. I can't, can't remember recording something. Well, I must have. I can't remember <laughs> doing it. How you... wrecked was I last night that I decided to podcast with Flash? You can't do, we can't do Two Brad for You with only a single Brad. That doesn't make sense at all. Well, it apparently it does because I've yeah. been doing it, <laughs> and they also seem oddly more popular than the ones at which I'm in. But you know, <laughs> I think that's just because you purposely download it 15 times, which is twice more than uh, we get downloaded when I'm on board. I think I think if anything, it's the the other folks that I do that have joined us on the show. Which you know, thank you to those people for doing that. Maybe they're down, maybe they're downloading it, and it's giving us a temporary spike in the numbers. But uh, no, we're Not back. Like a spike in temperature, I hope. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and that's you know leading us, you know, as always, into our favorite uh, subject: outbreaks, hey, parasites, I can to, you know, diseases. Leave a segue in. Yeah, thank you, Brad. This is you know this is why this show is uh, nothing without you. So, uh, yeah, no. So we'll talk about the you know the big news, the the big news in science, the big news in the world. Uh, the Ebola outbreak, right? That's that's what everyone's talking about, isn't it? That's that's one of the things people are talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, good news on the Ebola front. I think it was eight days since a new case reported, so that uh, that's good news on the Ebola front. Now, do we think that's eight days since a new case has been reported, or eight days since somebody looked because people are maybe busy looking for other things right now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a good point, actually. That's that. That is a good point. No, I think it's. I would imagine that it's trending in the right direction there, which is good because another one is coming, uh, and everyone has heard about it. We've done episodes about it. Uh, the coronavirus is obviously the big one, um, and this What's is that? first I've heard of it. Corona what? <laughs> Uh, corona fungus what is this uh, you yeah, get it yeah. from the shower or <laughs> yeah from a beer is that what it's all about <laughs> yeah no it's um it's coming i think it's we're we're at some would say it's already arrived yeah 
yeah well it's coming to a to a to a western <laughs> country <laughs> near you <Yeah. laughs> if you're living in uh outside of china uh it's it's coming um and it's i, I feel like we should um um what can we take a serious tone and are we capable of that brad are we mature enough to to do that i don't i don't know well let's spin the bottle and see how it goes and then if needs be i can bust us out of jail with a a few random facts yeah all right well i mean the interesting thing here is and you know again our normal caveat as we talk about diseases that when we talk about them in what what may come across as really glowing terms when we're like this is really neat this is really interesting obviously it's a serious situation um but this is really the first in my lifetime that we're talking global pandemic you know of a potentially scary you know virus uh let's temper this with you know i we still don't think that this is you know going to be on any magnitude like spanish flu or anything like that or ebola or anything like that but this is looking like you know the experts are saying this is a matter of if and not when this really kind of gets gets out of the out of the containment bubble in the sort of european western countries and uh, the Americas. Um, well, surprisingly, we, said it, we we have lived in a bubble, haven't we? You know, you know, we've we've obviously on our show we talk a lot about Ebola and things. Mm-hmm. But as we said, you know, in, in pre-production, you know, SARS. You know, unless we were living in Asia, we weren't affected really by that at all. Mm-hmm. Well, SARS came to Canada America. pretty pretty heavily. It hit Toronto. That was one of the one oh, of the things. Okay. But even that was, you know, like forty people, forty people right. dead, and 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 we were able to contain it. You know, like it didn't, it didn't spread you know as this one seems as SARS-2 looks like it could can and will spread Um, but yeah you're right we've kind of been you know lack of a better word immune to a lot of these a lot of these things yeah Um, and I think I want to make one quick um, correction too Uh, because when I first did a I did a kind of an update about this a couple weeks ago and I've, I hope I can't. I can't remember exactly what I said. <laughs> but you've been drinking, Flash. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, we've, all, we've all done a bit of drunk dialing late at night. We know yeah. what it's like. Drunk, drunk podcasting. Drunk yeah, that's yeah. that's my. You should hear that's the hours, the hours of tape I have that I've never released. <laughs> oh, trust me, we've heard some of it. It sounds like you're fairly drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the that's the releasable <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um. No, I think um, I mentioned in that that, you know, this is going to change. These are rapidly evolving situations and, and this could all change. So we're doing an update here now. And one of the things I did in that episode, too, was that I kind of was like, look, people, you know, there's still let's temper our uh, fears and cautions and all that stuff. You know, we still have a, a, a thing that happens every year called the flu that is going to kill thousands of people and stuff like that. And in hindsight, and after reading a few things from some experts and stuff, I've got to say that maybe that's not the right approach to saying that, to try and calm people's fears. Um, and I'll say that too, especially now, because Donald Trump is taking that approach. And so it's like, it's not, you don't want to be associated with anything he's doing. At the time, hey, I was He's getting try- more veg in his diet now, though. So yeah, that's well, good. good. Mixing yeah. his mashed potato. But, you know. uh, at the time, I was trying to make a point that it's like, let's temper expectations and, and remember that, you know, there are diseases all around and, and these are things that we deal with. And when we have vaccines, we should use them. You know, we should 
do that. Um, but the situation now, like we're saying, is that this has potential to become a global pandemic. And what the sort of latest data that I have here that I'll talk about um, is talking about the fatality rate. So what percentage of people who get it will die? And it looks like that's about 2%. Um, now, that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you think about flu, flu fatality is like less than 1%. Okay, that was going to be my question. How does that compare to... Yeah, so uh, it's... For one of a better normal, normal flu. Yeah, right. So it is deadlier. So I kind of... The point that I was trying to make back then and that other people were trying to make back then is rightly, <clears throat> let's walk away from that. It was a bad comparison or whatever. Um, and let's just focus on now what the situation is here. So there was um, just released uh, on Monday of this week, so on the 24th of February... Um, it was sort of a big summary of the from the Chinese Center for Disease Control, and so like still we have to look at there what's happening there to sort of get the numbers um, as to you know how many people died, how many cases, all this stuff, uh, and then where that this is going to be used as projecting you know the the outcomes uh, or potential outcomes for the rest of the world. So they have confirmed yeah that it looks like it's about uh 2.3 percent overall case fatality rate um and in this report they also gave a um age distribution which i think is another important thing because right now it still also looks like the most heavily hit or most severely impacted by it is the old and um people with underlying health conditions I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so overall, they had we have like seventy two thousand three hundred fourteen cases. That was as of February eleventh, and that's in um, in China. That's just China. That's just okay. China. Yeah. Um, and so they have a breakdown too of like how many are confirmed, how many are suspected, because there's like different ways that you diagnose it. To like officially confirm it, you need to do a DNA test, so like find the virus DNA in the subject. But they're also um, diagnosing it with chest x-rays or chest scans to look at like the uh, the amount of pneumonia and stuff going on and then plus with all your other symptoms it's most likely that this is right, what yeah. it is so that's another thing that's been talked about a lot is like how the case numbers have changed over time and it's because people are being like well there's a big jump in cases because we've widened the criteria for what we're calling a confirmed case and yes that's right. true however these jumps in cases are also a sign that this is spreading so like let's yeah. not try and like dampen it all with just oh we just changed the criteria you know there's some of that but you know um so when looking at the age distribution of those cases so you get three percent are 80 years old or over uh the largest uh segment of people that are infected is from 30 to 79 years which is also like a really large window of age. Yeah, but that's yeah, but that's eighty-seven percent of the cases. Um, Eight percent fell within twenty to twenty-nine years. One percent from ten to nineteen years, and less than, or and then another one percent was less than ten years. See, that, that for me is the interesting part there. That the young, aren't, you know, the babies, yeah, uh, yeah, as obviously a good thing. Yeah, definitely. But that, that kind of surprised me in a way, you know, the. You know the immune system not being fully developed, and you know the potential exposure. You know, kids being in nurseries and schools having a high rate of exposure. Yeah, 
Um, that's that's probably the interesting number for me there. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that is um, because they've shut down schools and, and stuff like this. But I think it's also what you're going to see driving the the age distribution of the cases and stuff uh, in that sort of middle age is going to be healthcare workers. A lot of healthcare workers are going to get it right. and stuff and people that are sort of out doing things, you know. Um, the spectrum of disease, as they call it, uh, so either mild, severe, or critical case, they have 81% of the cases are mild, 14% are severe, and critical is 5%. And then when we look at the case fatality rate, that's uh, 2.3% percent of confirmed cases um had it were, died uh 14.8 percent of this is in patients aged 80 and over um eight percent in patients aged 70 to 79 and 49 percent of the critical cases will have uh, passed away so again it looks like there's a skewing towards older um and in these critical cases i don't have exactly the numbers and stuff there but um, I'm assuming a lot of those are underlying, they have underlying conditions. Um, and then they also provide the number of healthcare personnel infected or percentages. Um, so 3.8% overall, I believe, 63% in Wuhan. So that right. shows you how bad it is, you know, at the epicenter of it. Um, and then 14.8% of cases classified as severe or, cr or critical were healthcare personnel, and there was five deaths among healthcare personnel. So, yeah, that's kind of like a breakdown of what they're seeing. And so it, I think the, the thing to take away from my perspective, uh, and this is just my perspective, my lowly opinion, um, is that as this moves to our countries, wherever you are, it looks like healthcare, you know, healthcare workers are going to be, you know, as they always are on the front line, and we should do our best to support them in any way that possible. Um, most of the cases appear to be mild, so it's possible that you're getting sick and you will be fine. Um, and in those situations, I think this is where it's important to note that it's like a lot of the things that I'm seeing in terms of experts giving advice is if you do get sick, so the symptoms are fever, cough, and then resulting in difficulty breathing. So if you have a fever, if you have a cough, don't go running to the doctor office, call them first. So that's what everyone's saying is call your, call your doctor first, call your sort of your, your point of care place that you would go um, and talk to them about your symptoms, you know, where you've been, all this kind of stuff. They'll ask you questions. Um, and because they might just say, look at you're an otherwise healthy individual. Um, <coughs> Notice I have a cough. Yeah, well, right. So uh, yeah, that's why we're doing this over, uh, yeah. over Skype. Um, yeah, so they might just say you're an otherwise healthy individual. So stay home. Just stay home for two weeks. And if it gets worse, call us back. Whereas if, you, if everybody runs to the to the emergency room or to their doctor, then it's possible that you just get these clumps of transmission um, that are not are not good. Well, there was there was an interesting interview I saw um, was it last week when they started to fly some of the British people that were infected on some of the cruise ships out in Asia back. So they had a infection specialist from um, I think it was from Imperial College in London 
basically saying actually you could see that as one of the worst things to do because mm-hmm. they're on a cruise ship where they're confined to quarters you know that that disease is fairly much contained yeah as soon as you put them on the plane you've put 300 people effectively in the same room mm-hmm. um so if there's one person infected on there chances are that could spread throughout that a large part of that plane we know it doesn't spread that readily from what we're we're hearing mm-hmm. Um, but then you've also got the associated with transport either end as well. So it was interesting. Yeah. You know, people clamoring for, you know, get us out of here, get us whatever. Well, actually, that might not be. I get why, from a personal point of view, I'd much rather be at home or back in my country. Um, but that might not be the best thing to do in some of these cases. Yeah, that I'm a little torn on because, I mean, the, the initial response of quarantining those ships when they came in, I think, was the bad, was, a, was the wrong move. You know, you could have easily screened people coming off you know coming off the ship and just being like do you have it do you not have it if you don't go on your way and get out of here if you do then we can put you in quarantine but by leaving them all on that ship for like two weeks more people got it because they're stuck on that ship you know I guess so, it depends on how quickly you can test for it though doesn't it right you know it, if, it, if you're just doing a quick test of have you got a fever or not yeah is that really accurate enough right to but then you can also sick on a plane and send you around the world you can also you know i mean yes then you're trusting people to self-quarantine and stuff like that but if you had a sit if you had a situation set up where it's like look at we're gonna we've blocked off a hotel room i don't know something i didn't think keeping people on the ship was the right idea bringing them back to your country i get it and in the in those cases, those people are quarantined when they come home. You know, they did it with Canada in Canada too, um, and in Germany as well. And those people have to, you know, maintain two weeks of quarantine before they can go out. So, I mean, as long as you're having these containment situations, then I think it's okay. But I do think like keeping those people on that ship was, we could have contained it, I think, better, and we would have had less cases overall if they didn't let it. Sp- you know fester on that ship first and then try and bring all the people out like it would have been like let's get the people out get them separated get them isolated you know and then takes one or two days to to figure out if you have it and then you can leave you know but and obviously i think there's a a cultural element as well as a personal element but looking at some of the positives that i have seen from this is actually people managing other disease outbreaks much better than we ever did so in the UK, take the UK for example, if people have the cold or whatever and they work in an office environment, the number of people that have a cold and still go into the office, mm-hmm. even though they have the option of working from home, I get it if, you know, you know, you've got deadlines and things in your yeah. office space and you have to be in the office, but the number of people that, oh, well, I'm a trooper, I'm not going to let this slow me down, go into the office and then infect yeah. most people. Um, whereas actually at the moment, interestingly, because of the stigma around it, you know, when I, I went into my office, about a week and a half ago for, for something, the office was fairly empty because a couple of people had a you know, a cough and a cold. So they were purposely staying away because they knew if they came into the office they were gonna get vilified for it. Yeah. Um so you know, I think that's one benefit we're seeing is okay, well suddenly everyone has awareness of well actually to stop spread of any disease, you know, that's communicatable like this, then we're gonna stay at home, you know, use some normal precautions of washing our hands after stuff and you know, just basic things like that, I think are going to be positives from it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and would stop the spread of the disease relatively quickly if we all just did a little bit more from that point of view yeah yeah and i mean and then and i think that's you know we can move to 
you know, this is the situation right now is that these are the things that you can do, you know, to, yeah. to stay safe is, um, yep. Wash your hands, uh, especially before eating, uh, preparing food, all that stuff. Uh, don't touch your face. That's a big one, which you touch somebody else's face, touch someone else's face. That's right. Uh, but that's an interesting one because it is like, you don't realize how much you do it. And then when you catch yourself wiping your nose, you know, your mouth, I play with my beard all the time, which is a terrible habit. Uh, if I had a beard like that, I'd play with it all the time as well. Uh, wiping your eyes, this kind of thing. Um, and that's one that like you can, if you start to realize that you're doing it and try and break those habits, that's one, uh, washing your hands. On that point, I don't know if you've ever seen the video. It, it went massive over here in the UK a few years back. There was a big push. It always comes up around Christmas time, obviously, people cooking and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was about whether you should wash your chicken or your turkey mm -hmm. or not. So they basically had a, a turkey that was covered in like some um, fluorescent marker, effectively, that was invisible to the naked eye. Yeah. But you could like run a UV lamp. So they basically let somebody in the kitchen prepare this turkey, and then they shone the lamp round. So you could see what they touched afterwards. And, and it was, you know, all over them because they're touching their beard, they're wiping their nose, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. combing through their hair. They're incredible to watch that. So, you know, it's, it's so easy when you can see things like that, how how much it spreads. Obviously, when you can't see it, you just you get on with it, with it. You, yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't know. But, yeah, just basic hygiene and everything. Sorry, I interjected. Your, no, no, no. Your points that could save listeners' lives. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, no, but I mean, that's a good point though, right? Like it's like, it, and there's a balance, right? Cause it's like, you don't want to be super, you can't be super paranoid. You can't, you know, like, and you're never going to get all the microbes, you know, you don't want to go that way, be the person that's, you know, Howard Hughes locked up and, you know, paranoid about every single microbe. But I mean, yeah, touching your face is one, washing your hands regularly is one with hot water and soap for at least 20 seconds in the absence of that alcohol based disinfectant is good. Um, and then the one that was interesting that I think will, will, it will be interesting to see how people react in the different cultures, different societies and stuff is keeping distance. So they're saying, you know, if you're in an area where there is transmission going on, like you've, there's cases in your area, um, stay two meters, try and stay two meters from people and don't shake hands. Um, and especially if someone's coughing or something like this, like, Stay away, <laughs> which is great, great way to get a seat on a train. Let me tell you, yeah, exactly. Train, right? Start coughing and talking with a little bit of a Chinese accent. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah, move away pretty quickly. That's right. Um, yeah, so those kind of things. I don't mean obviously cover your mouth when you cough, all that kind of stuff, because that is looks like that's the transmission. The main transmission is going to be like droplets in the air, spittle yeah. droplets in the air. Um, yeah, and so then the, the the other thing is like the masks. Like, is a mask. Should I buy a mask? Should I wear a mask? And it's like, I think from what I'm seeing, the jury's still out on whether that's really going to help you. Um, but, you know, if it makes you feel better, do it. But the masks wow, are really so... more important for healthcare workers. So let's not like go out and clear out all the shops and stuff of. Wow. So it's funny you say that. So before we came on air, and I, was, I, I assumed that you would cover coronavirus. So I, I didn't touch on it too much. But. Um... And I know in some of your other podcasts, you've touched on some of the rumors. So I, I started looking at some of the rumors that go around coronavirus, mm -hmm. but also one of the facts that came out was um, Amazon have announced that they've taken down one million products mm. 
um, because they claim to cure or prevent the spread of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, but they've left things up, obviously, like face masks and stuff. But the price of face masks have gone up exponentially. Yeah. So what was uh, £10 for a pack of face masks uh, four weeks ago is now over £170. Yeah. Um, but you, we talk about the spread of the, the virus. One of the uh, one of the rumours that I saw that the virus is linked to the 5G network. Have you seen that one? <laughs> uh, no, no coincidence that Huawei, the Chinese company, are big in technology in the 5G network, and that is how they're spreading the virus. Um, that was the first rumour I saw. Right, yeah. I, I saw this uh, Instagram post of this. Um, it's an account that I follow that just does wildlife pictures. Like, it's just cool right. pictures of animals, you know, and videos and stuff. And then they had this post that was like, oh, the the virus is coming. And it was because people have been eating bats, you know. And they had, like, this, like, pictures of bats and stuff. And then it was this giant fear-mongering post. And then they're like, but we have this special mask on sale that will protect you, uh, you know. And it's... This, 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 is, and they're gonna sell out quick, so get them now. You know all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it was like I looked at, so I looked at the comments. I showed it to my wife, my lovely wife Teresa, and she was like, "So what do the comments say? Are people calling bullshit or what?" And I was like, "It's a good, it's a good question because I want to know too. Like, or are people like, oh my god, thank you so much, I'm buying a hundred. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, the comments, the first like four or five that I read, were all like, "Shame on you." fear-mongering with this stuff like i'm unfollowing this account this is bullshit you guys are you know assholes for doing this uh and then i as i went further and further it was like 50 percent that people being like you jerks like i can't believe you're doing this this is such bullshit like reasonable stuff and then the other 50 percent was oh it's not from eating bats it's it's because of the the Chinese biomedical weapons facility and you know all this stuff so it was like someone trying to be like call someone out on it but then also going into this other crazy realm of you know well they have a lab there so and I talked about this on an episode a couple two episodes ago with my buddies in Vancouver and it's just like yeah I mean yeah I guess it's possible that it got out of the lab that is possible but were they designing this super weapon and then like un- no i mean it's ridiculous but well, it was and, interesting and to see this super- breakdown of comments where it's like if it is a super weapon then two percent mortality is not particularly super right and they're killing their own know, people in terms of, right <laughs> so yeah so the, the the rumors i saw and you've mentioned a couple there so uh it's linked to the 5g network um that i just don't even understand how that. like what is it like it's spraying the virus out it, it's built within the 5G network and part of the evidence that the conspiracy theory people are using is that actually a lot of cruise ships use the 5G network. Right. So, you know, and obviously the cruise ships have been implicated this time around. Lines up. Um, it all lines up. Yeah. Second one I saw was, it, yes, it's been released from a um, bio-warfare lab um, either in China or actually in America. Mm. But the Americans are better at media so they've pushed it onto China. Right which I thought was a, an interesting slant, rather than somebody went to China and infected somebody in China with it. But yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> you know, surely, razor, if we know anything about America and the media, they rely very much on the Russian fake media to drive anything. Yeah. There, but, um, the bat one was interesting. Yeah, it broke out of a lab in an infected bat. Yeah. 
Um, or a researcher, I read, a researcher ate an infected bat while in the lab. Yeah. Now, most of the researchers I've met don't eat lab pro- subjects. Don't <laughs> tend to eat. No, tend not to, from what I've seen. Um, and then the the last one I saw, which is an interesting one. So, Biolocanx, there was a big outbreak in China at a seafood market. Right, that's what they were so, saying, but that there's there actually is credible uh, evidence that it's that's not the source. So, but the two rumors I saw were interesting because they were sort of chicken and egg. Almost. So one was saying, "Well, this seafood market is only a few miles down the road from this secret lab where they're right, yeah, you know, which isn't it's not a secret bats. lab. Everyone knows it's there. Like it's not a secret. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a flaw in the title of secret lab if everyone's talking about yeah. it. So that was the first part. Yeah, an infected bat got out of the secret lab. And flew down and infected somebody in the in the seafood market. That's the first idea. The reverse of that is actually it's a waterborne virus. We've got it from fish hmm. that's come into the seafood market, and then that seafood has found its way to the lab, or you know yeah. from there outwards into the the lab. So basically, what they're saying is don't eat bats. Yeah. So bat casserole that's off the menu this weekend. Yeah. Uh, don't eat fish. That's off the menu. Yeah. Um, and give up on the 5g network so live in the dark ages don't eat bats and don't eat fish right yeah well sounds legit right well you know and just so happens i've launched my own range of beef and lamb products (laughs) um which are available online um which you know will protect you from coronavirus you know until amazon take that down is a fake statement Uh, that's 100 percent uh coronavirus free guaranteed exactly (laughs) up until the point it leaves me Yeah. yeah (laughs) yeah well this is okay so yeah i mean that's the we can go on and on about this um but i think it's i think we probably will but in future episodes yeah exactly yeah um i think the thing we can kind of point to is there's and this is what i talked about in this episode i did with my a couple couple weeks ago was that there's always a, a nugget of truth in some of these rumors and stuff um and you know when you look at the Chinese government and the way that they've handled some of these things uh, in the past and what we're seeing their beginning of how they handled it here is not good. Uh, They did try to downplay it. So there is, yes, there's shit happens and there's shit that goes on now. Do we need to extrapolate that into these wild things? No. Point is, it's likely going to come to the country that you're living in. You'll likely see some effect on your life whether that's like shutting down of different things, schools, whatever. So be prepared for that. Remember to wash your hands, all these basic hygiene things. If you're sick, stay home. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll update it as we go. I mean, it's, you know, maybe you could, maybe your country that you're in gets a good handle on it and containment on it. But the chances are that we see some kind of impact to your life is increasing. Um, So then we'll move then to a story that I found that is, you know, I'm kind of reluctant to talk about it because it's like, it's one of these ones that's going to. Do I, do I need to tease and tickle it out of you? (laughs) No, just you offering is like, fine, I'll talk about it. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Um, But I saw it the other day and it's just in the, in the sort of heightened climate of fear that we're seeing around viruses and diseases and stuff like this. This seemed like one to me that was, um, it's, it's, this is, you could see that this is exactly how more rumors can get started. This is exactly the kind of piece that someone would take and run with on these conspiracy sites. 
Uh, and basically, it's because it's around vaccines and, and the, a large-scale malaria vaccine study led by the World Health Organization um, is being criticized by a leading bioethicist for committing a, quote, serious breach of international ethical standards. So this is, okay. it's an opinion piece, like this is this, is this bioethicist opinion. Um, but basically, we have the, I think it's like the first ever um, malaria vaccine that has been sort of approved for trials or whatever. And they're doing this thing called a cluster randomized study. It's underway in Africa, in Malawi, Ghana, Kenya, um, and up to 700,000 roughly children are going to get this vaccine um, over the next two years. So, yeah, so it's the first licensed malaria va vaccine. It was positively reviewed by the European Medicines Agency. Um, but right now its use is being limited to pilot implementation, uh, <coughs> which is to because they need to evaluate, further evaluate some, some safety concerns that emerged in during the testing, during the trials of this. Right. So the safety concerns sound pretty not great. Um, so there is a higher rate of meningitis, uh, 10 times higher in people who got, who got the vaccine than people who didn't. Um, there was increased cerebral malaria cases, so when malaria gets into your brain. Um, okay. And there was a doubling in the risk of death due to any cause uh, in girls that received it. So obviously it's still, you know, these medicines, vaccines, things like this, there is always um, side effects in a small group of the population. Um, and this is why they do trials. This is why they roll them out in these pilot studies and, and whatnot slowly over time in order to understand, is this exactly from the vaccine? Is there other yeah. things going on that we don't know about? You know, all of this kind of stuff. So this, that per se, what I just listed per se is not necessarily out of the ordinary for something like this but the problem comes because according to the bioethicist who I believe is from Canada or at least works in Canada yeah Charles Weiger Weiger I don't know uh, bioethicist at Western University in Canada um, said his his concern with it is that the people who are going to be getting this vaccine the parents and the children the children and the parents of the children who will be getting the vaccine are not specifically being told that they're participating in this study. And the study protocol, I guess, is based on implied consent. So they're told that they're getting vaccines and that this is part of the vaccine trial. And I, I'm assuming they're told that they get, you know, um, told that the malaria vaccine is part of it. But I think that the thing is that it's not um, they're Sorry, I may have said that they're told that it's part of the vaccine trial. That's they're not. So they're not told. See, no, there's the issue. Yeah, yeah. they're like, not told that <clears> it's a pilot is... introduction, you know, and the WHO says it's a pilot introduction and not research activity. And so therefore, the children living in areas randomized to receive the new vaccine will do so as part of each country's routine vaccination schedule. And therefore, consent is implied. And this guy's saying so that you need to actually get get informed consent to get this. Right. So, and informed consent basically just means that they're told the malaria vaccine is in here. 
some of you will be getting it. Um, some of you won't. Some of you won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's kind <coughs> of the the uh, the problem. And it's also unclear at the moment whether the ethical bodies who specifically reviewed and signed off on the implied consent process. Um, yeah, or it's unclear whether they reviewed it and signed off on it. And so they're looking into that. Um, so, yeah. so this trial flash, is that is this being done with the approved product or is this a variation of the approved product? So is it the approved drug they're using in these trials? Hmm. Because I think that for me is the part of the distinction. Because if it's if it's the approved product and you're using it as per well, it's been approved for this indication, that's fine. But I know like a lot of um, oncology drugs are a great example of this. A lot of time, obviously, they go through a lot of testing to get to market. They get approved. They get to market, and then they do. Um, I think they call them like registry design trials, whereby effectively you're not told you're on a trial hmm. but you're you're interesting now you're, you're probably told that your data is handled because of mm -hmm. the whole european data regulations but effectively they still collect data on you because you're on that that drug even though it's approved to model well actually it works well in these patients or not to get a better understanding of it obviously as it's used in a bigger population so there i see there's some wiggle room potentially but if it's a new vaccine altogether it's not approved and you're doing that with implied consent that is a massive i see that being a massive issue yeah and i don't know i don't know the specifics of the trial and whatnot <laughs> i mean it's a licensed vaccine so i don't know what that okay, means so, in terms of so approval if you're using it for the approved indicate yeah if it's licensed and you're using it for the actual indication yeah. then you know one of these registry type designs as i said there's some data questions around that i could see it Mm -hmm. but yeah you would there would normally be some sort of implied if you're collecting data surely you'd be telling people that yeah, yeah that's an interesting so one. the so the WHO looking at the press release that I got here the WHO says that the information on vaccination is provided to the community and to parents through health talks and community outreach among other methods and parents who present for vaccination do so with the option to vaccinate their children or not and so then the guy, this uh, ethicist who uh, is part of this piece, says the failure to obtain informed consent from parents whose children are taking part in the study violates the Ottawa statement, which was a consensus statement on the ethics of cluster randomized trials. So I think it's like it's also because of this specific trial design that they're doing. So it sounds like to me, right. um, he said that so-called implied consent is, quote, no substitute for informed informed consent indeed implied consent is no consent at all we have no assurance that the parents in fact receive information about the study let alone that they understood it end yeah. quote and i think that's probably a, a big thing of that you know in some of these areas where they're probably trialing the vaccine it's the understanding piece you know mm -hmm. yeah do people have a firm grasp of what is going on well and that was one of the when the guy that did the gene editing <clears> in the babies in china that was right. one of the questions that came up with his too was like did the parents really understand what they were getting into do they understand the full implications of what they were signing up to do um and so that's that is a big part of the bioethics law is okay we told you what's going on but yeah. do you understand that understand you know and have we yeah. made it possible for you to understand um yeah so i don't know that's kind of it's not great um i'm assuming that it'll get <laughs> sorted you know, and I think that 
you know, I, I'm not a conspiracy minded person. And so I'm not going to go out there and start saying, you know, WHO is a terrible organization, blah, 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 UN global agenda, blah, 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 all this. No, the WHO does good work. Um, they're necessary, you know, useful international organization. Is there flaws? Of course. We're all human. You know, these things are going to happen. Um, does this seem like a bit of a pretty big oversight? Um, yeah, could be. Um, so we'll see. I'm assuming that it'll get sorted and that, um, you know, the fact that we have people that are calling it out is good. Um, and so we'll see where it goes, I guess. But I guess it's it's nice to know that there's a potential malaria vaccine out there, too even with its flaws, um, the fact that it's gotten to this stage of, of testing is good. Yeah, exactly. And it opens the door then for others. You know, I think that's the thing. Once you get one out there, then, you know, the understanding of how that works, especially with something like malaria, where there is so much collaboration mm -hmm. between the different parties, as opposed to, you know, most normal vaccines or pharmaceuticals where, you know, evil farmer is trying to keep it all to themselves to earn the money out of it. You know, the malaria, fight is one that has so much money from like the Gates Foundation mm -hmm. and AWOL Foundation things like that that you know once you get one out there it should break down the barrier hopefully for more to come and more understanding and collect data from mm -hmm. larger scale trials yeah. with hopefully informed ethical consent <laughs> um, to, to see you know which population is this really helping is there something we can do to target when it's used and stuff so yeah interesting that you know that discussion's happening already though right you know the ethics of it yeah yeah well it and it, i mean again i'm not an expert in this at all and well that doesn't normally stop us no it, it it doesn't at all but i just <clears throat> i'm i do feel like it, at least for this one it's like it, i gotta say that because it's like it seems to me that it's it was an oversight you know problem like or maybe somebody was like look at if we do it this way we'll get more participants whereas if we did it the other way we might lower the amount of participants that we're going to get and with with vaccine being or with malaria being such a you know deadly disease that we've been trying to get at for a long time maybe that was maybe they're just being a little overzealous here um that's kind of the but again i don't that's just my sort of initial impression from reading this press release and stuff so i don't i don't know well, you know, and as, as we've already touched on, you know, we're not afraid to talk about subjects that we know uh, nothing about, as we've done in previous episodes. But one one other regular thing of the show is uh, Mad Mike Hughes. You know, we've mentioned him a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about conspiracy uh, theories and all this other stuff. Well, let's well, get another crank <laughs> in here. Ooh, you know. I know, you're a big you know, fan. You're a lot more so. sympathetic to the... Um, so I think we tweeted out from the account this week when it happened, but uh, yeah, Mad Mike Hughes, which uh, listeners may know is um, the guy who's based in the US, um, was had already and was in the process of creating uh, another steam-powered rocket um, as part of his quest to prove that the Earth is flat. Um, tragically died this week um, in one of his rockets. Um, it crashed shortly after um, takeoff. Um, so yeah, we've kind of lost lost a pioneer really and somebody that was big on the show for us pioneer so, you're gonna go with pioneer i am gonna go for pioneer and you know if we're gonna go with conspiracy theories you know the one that he was shot down because he had proof that the earth was <laughs> flat um 
is one very much that you know I'm potentially looking to buy into. Right, right. Now, I, um, I I bristle at the word pioneer, at the term pioneer here, because uh, what is he pioneering? Ancient technology to launch yourself through the you know. It's like we have way better okay. rocket technology. I don't know what he's pioneering here. But I didn't. I didn't see him in the Victoria era going. Oh well, I've got this steam-powered en- train yeah. engine. Oh, I'm going to make a rocket. Yeah. He took that technology when we've not fully expanded that. It's like Apple came along and took what Nokia had done with the mobile phone and took it to the next level. Well, he's basically done that with steam power. Yeah, when we've already found way better ways to do it. He's, if anything, yeah, but you and I don't. You and I do not have access to high-grade rocket fuel. You know, liquid oxygen and hydrogen to set that off. We all have access in most parts of the Western world, especially access to a tap, <laughs> access to a kettle. <laughs> I'm just saying that the pieces are there that we could carry on his legacy if we want. No, to he's do. like the hipster of rocketeering. You know, it's like he's he's like the guy that's using glass mason jars for to bring your water to work. You know, rather than a sensible bottle. You know, it's, this is BS. I'm not a. I no. don't. Uh, I think this to me like. I don't know, speak ill of the dead, but this is why conspiracy theories and, you know, is dangerous. Obviously it's, yeah, that's maybe I'm making a bit of a leap and maybe I'm making a bit of uh, nothing out of one man, one idiot. But the guy like was on this quest. I mean, obviously I think part of it was to get attention. Like let's, let's be real. Um, Well, there was that whole thing of potentially he was going to run for governor, wasn't there? Or mayor or something. But, but it's he's driven by a uh, conspiracy theory, you know, to to do but, this but thing at least that he ended was up driven to try costing and... his life. He did, but you know, I I give the guy credit for saying, I think there's a conspiracy theory. Everyone's telling me the round, the Earth is round, and I think it's flat, and I'm going to go and get my own evidence yeah. to do that. But he so, also you know, his rocket, him. like I read somewhere that he didn't even have to do this. Like he could have done this experiment. I use that term loosely that he was trying to do and not have gone as high. Like he didn't have to do this. Like there's other ways to do this, to figure out, to confirm. Hindsight, hindsight is a wonderful thing, <laughs> Flash. But ultimately for $18,000, he built a rocket. That didn't work. It went, well, it did work. It went up into the air. It, just the landing didn't work quite so well. Um, but, you know, and all I'm, you know we've, we've lost, and I'm going to use it again. We've lost a pioneer. That's what mm. I'm going to say. I object um, to the term pioneer. Uh, we lost something. We lost something to talk well, about. Um, I don't think it's... I'm actually like a little, again, like the way that it was covered in some places. It's like, oh, this guy, like, oh, it's too bad. He went... It's like, no. this <laughs> he, he had it coming. Uh, he's not a hero. This isn't a hero. You know, this guy... I didn't, I didn't, say, I didn't say hero. Pioneer. My, <laughs> I know. I'm just... Some of the flash. coverage of his passing was i was like this is ridiculous i mean yeah i mean the guy was an oddity he was something to behold i guess and i'm trying to not sound so bad towards a guy who died because yeah i know he died i'm sure he had family and friends who loved him i'm not sure of that i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and say that there might have been someone who's now missing him but no, it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. Uh, you know, he's spreading this, you know, conspiracy theory stuff. And I'm just really, 
yeah, the conspiracy theory stuff is just really getting on my case. I love talking about it in sometimes, you know, when it's just this ridiculous and, and fun and crazy and I love the weird internet stuff. But at times like this, when you see someone like losing their life or you're going to see someone else trying it or something like that, it's like I got to just give my head a shake. And yeah, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to use words like pioneer or great loss well, or. <laughs> well, I, I would say that's your, your loss, Flash. You know, if, if you can't make that leap of faith, um, then that's fine. But anyway, speaking of, speaking of leaps and, and quantum leaps, mm. you'll notice I am, if nothing else, providing segues like no one else. Yeah. Today. You're the mad well, mic of segways. I provided all of them so far, but you know, I'm just saying, I'm I'm carrying this podcast. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, quantum particles flash. Yeah, quantum. I I hear that's where it's at. Well, I stumbled across two stories about the quantum realm, and uh, are they two or are they one? That's the yeah. real question in quantum physics. Well, I think we can all. Uh, look to the sage advice wise words of the spice girls i believe it was when they said when two become one and they also said Stop. <laughs> oh, I, was like, I thought it was for a second there i was gonna have to edit in cricket noises because it was you got nothing on that one hey if you want noises locusts is what you should be having my friend but we'll maybe touch on okay. that time briefly well let me fire through this quantum one because Anyone who's listened to this show knows that, you know, we're not experts. And so uh, quantum stuff gets a little uh, difficult for us. But basically, uh, what I found was actually two independent stories um, that are claiming to have made discoveries that are important for the understanding of quantum entanglement, which, as okay. we remember, is the... Uh, how do we remember this, Brad? It's the idea that two particles can be entangled. So something that affects one of them will affect the other one, even though they're not physically in contact or even physically in the same location. Um, and yep. this is a, a quirk, we'll say, of Einstein's theories that, you know, the math sort of the math, the theories, all that predict that this could happen. And it explains some of the observations we make about we make or fail to make about uh, electron uh, electrons and other particles um, when you get down to the quantum size level. So electrons, neutrons, quarks, quarks, all of this stuff they behave in this weird way, um, and we don't really understand it. So both of the but that is not going to stop us talking about it. Let me make that very clear to the hell listener. no hell no. Good. Hell no. Good. Um, so both of these stories involved uh, electrons being entangled together within a metal. So it looks like there's some kind of evidence that there's this electrons acting as one or influencing each other in this quantum entanglement kind of way. So the first study was published in Science in uh, January. Um, and so what they did was they created what they called a strange metal from the elements ytterbium, rhodium, and silicon. The first one I have never heard of before, and it's spelled Y-T-T-E-R-B-I-U-M. Y-T-T? -T? Yeah. I was about to give you a hard time for how you pronounced it, and then 
now you've said that, I in no way can yeah. I help you. And maybe that. I should have Googled it actually before. To, but I, I've never heard of that element okay. before. Rhodium and silicon I've heard of. Anyway, so they've made this strange metal using these elements. Um, and it was within this metal that they witnessed the electrons acting like a unit rather than uh, as individuals, like they normally would within other, other metals. Um, so they apparently they saw this in response to what they called a quantum phase change. So a phase change, if we think back to, I don't know, grade school, science class or something, phase change is just when matter changes into a different form. So ice melting, water boiling. Liquid yeah, gas, exactly. solid liquid. That's a phase change. And so apparently this happens on the quantum level too. Um, so when they reduced the temperature of films, they had these thin films of this strange metal that they were playing around with. Um, when they reduced the temperature to absolute zero, which is, of course, minus 273.15 20, degrees Celsius. Or zero Kelvin. Zero Kelvin, yeah. absolute zero. Also minus 459.67 Fahrenheit, if you're into Fahrenheit. Is that, is that still yeah. a thing? Might be. Might be. Really? I thought we'd done away with Fahrenheit. Yeah. Hey, you still use miles and stones, so let's not let's not, you know, throw too much shade here. Anyway, when they uh, when they when they lowered the temperature to this, uh, the metal underwent this quantum phase change, and they noticed the quantum entanglement among billions of electrons within the metal. So yeah, all of these electrons, I guess, were acting as one or were somehow influencing each other. They were they were acting as a unit rather than individual electrons. And I'm assuming that whatever that, however they were measuring it, however they were observing it, you know, that's what they saw, was this this thing. Um, so obviously, if you can understand this phenomenon and how this quantum phase change leads to this, you would understand quantum entanglement better, which could lead to quantum computing, quantum storage, all of this, all of this stuff. So then, in the second experiment, which is totally independent. Uh, as far as I know, between, you know, it's not the same groups, it's not the same authors. I even checked to see if the second experiment cited the first one in their paper, right. and they didn't. Oh, you, you actually did some journalism here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was a quick control F of the, of the author's names <laughs> on the paper. So, um, But uh, it was released like a month later in science as well. And so they saw electrons bunching together and again acting as a unit. Um, and they called it um, a whole new quantum state of matter made solely from speeding electrons. Um, so they did this by sending electrical currents through what is called ballistic conductors. Um, so if you've heard of the term semiconductors, uh, which is basically a metal that we can send electricity through, um, if it's a resistor, the electricity won't go through the metal. If it's a conductor, electricity can go through the metal. Um, and a semiconductor is just sort of, it can be both, depending on the current and how you switch it. So semiconductors basically form all of our electronical bits, you know, parts, computers, wires, all this stuff. So you have to have a conductor that you can send the current through. Um, so these ballistic conductors are actually way finer i guess they're they're filled with less impurities they're a metal as well so that you can make them with different things uh different types of metal but they have less impurities in them 
So in a normal conductor, you're going to send a current through, which means the electrons are going to start moving in a direction. So that's how you get the direction of the electrical current. Right. So all these electrons are going to be moving through this conductor. But because the metal, you know, has, you know, impurities in it, it's not a very pure substance itself the electrons actually scatter they don't go in a straight line they don't go in like an orderly fashion they kind of move around right. bump into things they're generally going in this direction and so that's what happens in a, in a normal conductor in a ballistic conductor they actually do go in like a straight line so rather than kind of scattering around they move more like they described it in the in this article as like cars on a highway you know one after another right i was going to say you stick in yeah, your lane exactly there's no, no traffic jams yeah <laughs> And so yeah. these ballistic conductors, like I think people have already been studying them and working with them as a way to improve the efficiency of electronics. You know, if you can get less resistance and less sort of electrons doing going off on these other areas and getting more of a straight current, then that's obviously going to be a good thing. Um, but yeah, so by moving the electrons through these ballistic conductors, they saw uh, that they move more orderly, you know, and that they actually bunch together. So this is a quote from the from one of the authors. It says, when electrons can be made to attract one another, they can form bunches of two, three, four, and five electrons that literally behave like new types of particles, new forms of electronic matter. So you get them like sort of backing up into each other and they get close enough, I guess, and then they attract and they form these clumps and then they behave as a new particle. So the other way they described it is think about how quarks bind together to make neutrons and protons so neutrons yeah. protons are in the atoms they that's like the stuff that makes up the nucleus of an atom and if you break those apart which we've done in the hadron collider by we i mean the eggheads in the lab um you find that there's even smaller particles quark uh, quarks being one of them and they go together to make these neutrons and protons uh so it's like think about it like that electrons bun bunching together and then forming you know, a new molecule or a new you know, right. form of matter, I guess. Um, and so the guy who was part of that study said, this is an example of how we're reverse engineering the world based on what we found from the discovery of the fundamentals of quantum physics. Um, and so that to me was, was an interesting, um, you know, kind of quote and way to sum it up because you have these two different uh, experiments that are observing this phenomenon these uh, of entanglement of electrons in different ways in yeah. different situations and it had me thinking you know like so th this must naturally occur like this is a naturally maybe but i don't know like maybe there's a, 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 a place in the universe where the physics resemble the physics of inside of ballistic conductor or the temperature is like it is in this strange metal and like right. and you would yeah and you would observe yeah. this this happening but maybe there's not. Maybe it's like, you know, the combination of why terbium and rhodium and silicon doesn't exist somewhere in the in the universe, and we've created that. That's what I don't know. That's what I, you know, and that's to me was kind of the fascinating thing is like, so we're, you know, we're manipulating the conditions to put these electrons, these, um, I don't know what do you call them, electrons, but, you know, Particles, that's the word yeah. I'm looking for, yeah. Into these situations where they then do something. They then react in a way that creates this phenomenon that we don't really understand, but we've predicted, you know. So that to me is kind of interesting. It's like, oh, cool. Like, we're forcing them to do, we don't understand it, but we're forcing it, we're 
kind of forcing it to happen serendipitously or whatever. And that, and from that, you can then reverse engineer the knowledge. You can be like, oh shit, we observed that. Well, now we can look at, okay, well, why did it happen? Would this happen in nature? Where would it happen in nature? Obviously, yeah. it's a natural phenomenon because the the particles are nat. You know, that's about as base as you get. You know, yeah. so that's kind of what like grabbed me about it was I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, you know, and I can't really other than like the the catch-all sort of phrase at the end and this could lead to quantum computing quantum yada 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 you know yeah of course fucked if i know how but there you go hey but we you know as you and i've already established we love physics we just don't yeah. understand enough about it and we you and i both get really excited about yeah. it and... i guess to me what i'm trying to say is that that the fact that you can observe it happening in these scenarios is like okay cool so this is something you know it's we're seeing it in these metals and these conditions and stuff like this. So it's, it kind of lends itself to being less of a theoretical thing and more of just a, a, a natural phenomenon of nature given these conditions, you know, yeah. whereas like every other experiment you hear about it is like, you're really trying to observe it happening, see it happening. It seems really manipulated. This kind of seemed like, Oh, Hey, we had this metal and we did this thing and then this happened. And I guess this is just how electrons behave in this thing so maybe this is where this phenomenon occurs naturally in the universe somewhere i don't know that's the kind of thing that was interesting to me and the in the second study when they were talking when they put them through these ballistic conductors and saw this the other interesting thing was that and here i'm reading again directly from this article this press release whatever it was uh when the researchers measured the levels of conductance they found they followed one of the most well-known patterns in mathematics, Pascal's triangle. So as conductance increased, it stepped up in a pattern that matches one of the rows of Pascal's triangle, which follows this order, uh, 1, 3, 6, 10, and so on. So, I mean, you can look up Pascal's triangle to see that mathematical principle, but it's kind of like, you know, Fibonacci sequence or something. It's like, it's a pattern that you can guess the next number based on if you yeah. know the the Pascal's triangle method or whatever, you can basically guess the next number in the pattern. And so I guess the, the conductance, which is how much the electricity goes through or something like this, or the, I'm, I'm yeah, wrong, <laughs> I don't know, something like yeah. this. It's a property of the electricity going through the, <laughs> through the metal. It increased in this, in this way, in this mathematical way. So that was kind of cool too. So it's predictable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that was kind of cool too, which again, relates to this whole thing this whole idea i had you know where it's like this is cool because it's nature and math is just a way of describing nature you know it's just a language that we use to describe the things that we see the interactions that we see so the fact that it comes back to this like and it follows this mathematical principle this pascal's triangle thing was just another like you know stoner moment whoa dude the world's all connected blah, you know all that kind of stuff so that's my that's my latest delving into the quantum realm. Wow. <clears throat> really, we need a jingle for that, don't we? I think when we go into our physics realm, we need some sort of quantum the only thing, physics. The only jingle. thing I think of is Deepak Chopra and his like misuse of the word quantum, but the way he does it in his accents, quantum. It is all quantum, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to have him as our intro. Just always, just I should just splice together 
the price tonight. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, maybe there'll be royalties to pay, but you know. I can't imagine. I can't imagine Mr. Deepak Chopra. Chopra is an overly litigious fella. Well, we'll find out, Flash. <laughs> I was be. You know, we'll get our we'll get our legal team on it straight away. I was being out. very sarcastic. I imagine he's very quick to uh, push back at uh, <laughs> people using his likeness and whatnot. I would imagine so. Well, I know we've been going for a little while, and we there are a couple of things we didn't get to. So I'm briefly just going to throw these out at the end, just as yeah. teasers, and then maybe we pick them up in the next episode or not. But um, so sticking with the physicsy theme, um, I'm gonna, I'm, here's a media headline: uh, The Earth has a new moon. I saw that. Size of a yeah. car. Um, size of a car. Um, it's been there for the last month. They think uh, actually they, we we spotted it a month ago. We actually think it's been there for about three Aliens. years. Um, wow! Uh, and the chances are um, it will be here until around about April, and then it's going to be somebody else's new moon. Mm. So um, we'll tweet that story out. People can then delve into it. Hopefully, we tease them enough to want to know about the new moon. Um, just before we came on air. I got the uh, BBC alert um, that there'd been a big explosion. I was like, holy shit, when, mm-hmm. where? Uh, 390 million light years ago Ooh. is when. Um, biggest explosion since the Big Bang, five times bigger than anything else we've seen other than the Big Bang. Um, so that's happened as well. That was breaking news this morning in the physics Breaking world, so news as of gonna... billions of years ago. As of 390 million light oh, years million. ago. Yeah. My bad. But, but, you know, in, you know, in physics terms, that's like in, cosmi- in cosmic times, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we almost delved into it when you mentioned the sound of crickets earlier. Um, and in a week that has had you know the Fury Wilder tussle, um, you know, historically we've had the Rumble in the Jungle, we've had Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker, forget all of those epic battles. The new one coming to a land near you, if you're in Pakistan, is Ducks v. Locusts. Mm massive locust problem and China are going to deploy quote the word deploy a hundred thousand ducks to go and sort these locusts out um, just make sure they don't have avian flu well interesting that we're going to ship you know ducks around the world when you know all humans are on lockdown but hey we'll go and send a hundred thousand ducks to Pakistan to go and sort their uh, locust problem um, and the reason they're sending ducks a they eat more than chickens around about three to four times mm-hmm. more in terms of locust numbers, um, but they're also easier to herd than huh. chickens because they stick in groups. Huh. Didn't know that. Um, yeah, but they were described as biological weapons. Yeah, the army of ducks. Yeah, so uh, watch out if you, you know, next time you're down the local pond feeding ducks, watch out for the biological weapons. It could, be, <laughs> could uh, be Chinese ducks coming, filled with. They could be Pakistan yeah. locusts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, quick recap of where we've been today on this whistle stop yeah sure it feels like it's been a lot yeah it, well, i think it has been actually um well corona by the time we finish recording this i think we were saying at the start it's on its way i think we can firmly yeah, say it's here yeah that's true no um so yeah be be safe listeners we can't afford to lose any <laughs> of you so you know please follow basic hygiene precautions and keep yourself quarantined if needed um obviously our old favorite of ebola Looks like it's on the way out. Are we gonna? Well, are we gonna? You know, lose that as a as a segment to the show, potentially in the future. Well, we got you know. coronavirus to take over, um, so I think we'll be all right. 
Well, that's true. But then, you know, if we lose a bowler, there's a gap in the, the timeline for our shows. We've also now lost Mad Mike Hughes. So there's a, you know, that pioneer has left a bigger gap. Pioneer. I was saying. You're just doing it to annoy me now. Um, so, I, you know, I can only hope in 2020 the head transplant guy really serves you off. Yeah, because we've let's got, get him going. We've got a big gap. We've got a big gap to fill. Um, we need to get on with that. Ethical trials of vaccines. Maybe they are ethical, maybe they're not. Who knows? In much the way of maybe this particle is doing one thing and maybe it's doing another in between its two phases. Uh, and then obviously we had a whistle-stop tour of new moons, big bangs, ducks, locusts and crickets. So, um, Whoa. It's not been a bad episode today, Whoa. really, has it? Yeah, we made up for last time, I'd say. I'd say so. And uh, actually, listeners, uh, Flash and I are in the same location uh, next week, so maybe we could uh, knock another one out yeah, of the we'll park. Yeah, we'll see. So to yeah. speak. If we got time. It's going to be busy. I'm not going to guarantee it, but, you know, we'll see. But, you know, it would be a shame not right. to, I think. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that, listeners. Um, as always, listeners, you can get in touch with the show. Uh, Twitter, at Too Brad For You. Instagram, at Too Brad For You. You can see a theme running through <laughs> both those handles there. Um, if you want to get in touch with myself, Britt Brad, then that's at Bradley W. Hayes on Twitter. Um Flash, as always, if they want to get in touch with Happy you. Happy Vampire Dawn. Fairly straightforward. We we need to get your handle with Flash in it, I think. We're, we're missing <laughs> the trick there, I've got to be honest. I think there's a lot of messages out there of support for the show going to somebody that has the handle, at Flash, yeah. maybe at Flash Brad. Um, we're missing out on that feedback. Could be, but... So maybe we need to delve into that and coin it. It's an alter ego, you know, I, I can't advertise it. Only seen it weekends yeah, that's and that's, that's right. <laughs> uh, Flash, as always, it's yeah, been a pleasure. Yeah, you too, my friend. Um, stay safe, stay quarantined. Will do. Take those precautions, and uh, well, I shall see you in but a few days, and hopefully, we shall speak to the listeners in but a few days more. All right. That. Yes. Thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next time. Stay safe. So I think that's the whole other yeah. part of the debate. So yeah, yeah, be an interesting one. But it'd be interesting to see how fair the immigration piece is because yeah, you know, in theory, other people get there's turned down on a daily people, basis. Yeah, there's a lot of people that want to come to Canada. Yeah. Oh, I'm an actress. I should be able to have a visa. Mm. Yeah. Well, she already lived in Canada, so she's already, you know, she lived in Toronto for a long time. Yeah. So. She's fine. It's him, really. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming based on the Canadian system, he's got enough points. No, that's the thing. He doesn't have a degree.
doesn't have a degree. There's got to be other ways he could make up those points. Doesn't speak French, so that's good. That's doesn't have a degree. A... Doesn't speak French um, <laughs> because he went straight to military college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not recognised. Can so. fly a helicopter, so. Well, yeah, maybe just be a heli skiing instructor or something. Fuck, man. Climate change, all our forests are going to burn. We're going to need helicopter pilots. We're going to need people doing some crazy shit so he can get involved in that shit. Some would argue the forests are burning because of the helicopters. <laughs> Catch 22. It's a vicious cycle. Vicious cycle. Yeah. So.